Welcome, and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. There's no doubt, life is difficult. We don't need a worldwide pandemic to know this. Sometimes life feels unbearable. These arduous times in life create an opportunity for us. Here's First Pres Assistant Pastor Steve Page to explain. Hi, everyone. If you don't know who I am, my name is Steve Page, one of the pastors here on staff, and it is my honor to bring uh, the Word of God to you today. And raise it a little bit. Okay, can you hear me better now? I can yell if you want. <laughs> um, the, the, the song, right before we finish there, that song, Blessed Be Your Name, I love that song be, because of, of what it does with the lyrics. You know, one, one of the great stanzas in that song is this one. Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering. Though there's pain in the offering, blessed be, there, be your name. You know, I, I love that line because it reflects the frequent reality of those who worship the Lord God. How many of us listening have that kind of offering that we're giving to God today? I'm gonna to be totally honest. Even in my praise this morning, I am giving, <clears throat> there is, should I say, pain in my offering, straight up. Now it's this kind of sentiment that is found in our passage today. That is, it, there's the call to others to give praise to God even when there is pain in the offering. So if you ever please stand with me as I read it, Psalm 34, verses 1 through 3, and then verses 15 through 22. And it goes like this. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. In verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. He hears. His ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to root out the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry and the Lord hears them and delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and will save those whose spirits are crushed. Many are the troubles of the righteous, but... The Lord will deliver him out of them all, and he will keep safe all their bones. Not one of them shall be broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be punished. The Lord ransoms the life of his servants, and none will be punished who trust in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. You know, I'm so glad that our lectionary reading for this Sunday includes this psalm because it is so rich in theology. Much rich theology is really being expressed here. You know, on the one level, it seems like it's just this big psalm filled with exuberance. But it is not what I call a naive or uninformed exuberance here. It's a very mature one. The praises given here are, are, are from a life that is very, very familiar with pain and brokenness. And when pain emerges from that kind of experience, it is so powerful because with that praise that, that comes out of pain, it brings depth, it brings wisdom, it brings gravity to the worship experience. And as famed Old Testament theologian Walter Brueggemann has said, all serious theology begins in pain. 
pain keeps praise honest. And our psalm today is both serious theology and honest praise. Why? Because it is not oblivious to the things that make praise difficult. I have a feeling that nearly all of us in this service, whether you're here or online, have known profound pain from things like relational devastation or the loss of a loved one, or perhaps from physical illness or a financial downturn or the heartache of moral failure or that, or that gnawing loneliness that always seems to follow us around. So I'm sure we are all uh, very experienced by being broken by pain. But do we all know the divine power of not just being broken, but broken open from pain? In your walk as a Christian, do you know the difference between being simply broken and being broken open? I like these thoughts as expressed by writer David Brooks when he says this, we all know people who are broken. They've endured some pain or grief, and as a result, they get smaller, they get angrier, resentful, they lash out. Other people are broken open. Through suffering, you realize there are depths of yourself you have never anticipated, and only spiritual and relational food will fill those depths. Keep that in mind as we go along, because that's what I want to dive into today. What does it mean to be broken open instead of simply broken? And today really is a continuation of Pastor Tim's sermon from a couple of Sundays ago when he started the first half of Psalm 34. And one of the more, very quotable sermon, by the way, I encourage you to go back and listen to it, but one of the more quotable moments or lines that came out of that sermon, for me at least, is he called the psalm a defiant praise, a defiant praise. And we see this defiant stance right there in the first verse where it says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Now, now why is that just seems like a nice thing to say. Why is that actually defiant? Well, it's defiant because the psalmist is inviting folks to come and praise God even when there is pain in the offering like we just sang a few moments ago. Let me elaborate on this. You see, in Psalm 34, there are words of pain strewn throughout this text. Words about situations in life, situations that often keep us from praise. For example, in verse 2, it says, let the afflicted, let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Not when they get better, but now in their afflicted state. Don't miss that. Don't miss that odd combination of both being in affliction and giving praise. Seems almost paradoxical, doesn't it? You should know that the word afflicted here, to really appreciate how defiant this praise is, it, it, the word afflicted means to be oppressed. It means to be very needy. And it also refers to a person who is tormented and weak, and, and they're, so they're not even to, able to help themselves. So my point here, by pointing that out, is that he's not calling people who simply kind of have a bad day to praise God. It's an invitation to people who are presently, presently feeling deeply painful. I don't have time to elaborate on all the words of pain and woundedness that are strewn throughout this psalm, but I'm going to quickly list them. Uh, besides the one in verse 2, affliction, we have this. The psalmist also refers to fears in verse 4. But by the way, in the Hebrew, that word is actually terror. That's what it means by fear, terror. In verse 5, there's a refer- reference to shame. In verse 6, being poor and troubled. Verse 10, weak and hungry. Verse 15, crying out. 
Verse 17, being troubled to the point of being in anguish. And then in verse 18, brokenhearted and crushed in spirit. And again in verse 19, the word affliction shows up, but this is a different Hebrew word, which, which means being broken and shattered. It's a very graphic term. It refers to that feeling or that attitude of, of, of miserable anxiety and distress. And lastly, in verse 21, being hated as a righteous person. That is one big, long list of pain. But part of my point in listing all that is that the writer is not only calling the, the gathering of the spiritually vibrant and enthusiastic and the people who have their lives together, but he's calling together the ones who know deeply the way of weakness, the way of brokenness, the way of deep, soulful, and emotional woundedness, and even social marginalization. And this is great to read because on this very day, quite frankly, and every other Sunday, by the way, this is exactly who is gathered in our churches the world over. This is exactly who has come to church today to give praise to our God. Sure, you may smile on your way in. Maybe you listen to a nice song in your nice little car as you drove over here. But I can assure you on any given week, there is pain in the offering for many who come to our worship. There are broken hearts and crushed spirits. There are shattered dreams, fragile bodies, and there are fears for the future for those who come to praise God. And I want you to know that when we praise God in those conditions, that we praise, that, that praise, that offering is glorious. And God is as honored by praise given out of brokenness as he would if you took your whole paycheck and put it in the offering plate, which is not a bad idea, by the way. Um, just kidding, just kidding, sort of. And so, but God is honored by that kind of praise. Now, in light of this theme, I want to press down particularly on one verse, verse 18, where it says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those whose spirits are crushed. First, you've got to understand this about the words heart and spirit in the, in the Old Testament scriptures. They're not really referring just to the, the emotional aspects of it, though it kind of refers to that. But really, when you see the words heart and spirit in the, in the scriptures, it's pertaining to the core of your being, the essence of of who we are. Moreover, the heart was not just the place you felt things. It was the place where you thought things. It was the place where you interpreted and understood and evaluated life and then decided, you decided in your heart, okay, not your head, but you decided in your heart to how you're gonna respond to things as they come at you in life. So when it talks about a broken heart, He's not talking about someone who just merely feels sad. He's talking about that experience where your, your view of life, your view of God, and your understanding of, of what and who is good, right, and true, and trustworthy is shattered into pieces. And, and the phrase crushed spirit this is to be so deeply devastated psychologically and, 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 and spiritually that, that, that you're moved to the place of despondency. In fact, the crushed spirit is sometimes considered far more serious than physical sickness. In Proverbs 18, it says this, the human spirit will endure sickness, but a crushed spirit, who can bear? How many of us have known the truth of these verses? How many of us know the truth of these verses today? 
I wish I understood the encouragement and wisdom of Psalm 34 when I was a young kid because it really would have saved me from so many self-destructive behaviors. You see, when I felt crushed in spirit as a teenager, and I didn't know God at that time, I started to create my own saviors. I started to create saviors to help me handle it. Saviors that couldn't really deliver me from a crushed spirit, but at least they could numb the crushed spirit. Let me give you an example. As a kid growing up in Jersey, you've heard me say uh, many times from this pulpit how my family was filled with a lot of turmoil. And perhaps, I don't know, maybe because I was overly sensitive to the turmoil or whatever, to all the hostility that would happen, I, I tended towards depressive states, even, even as a very young kid. But one day, I was 13 years old in one of those depressive states, and I'm raking the leaves in my backyard, and I see two of my friends, you know, coming at me uh, where, where I was raking, and they're coming up this path, and, and they were singing and laughing loudly, you know, and, 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 and I'm just stopped, and I was really curious, and I said, yo, come here, what, what are you guys laughing about? What, what, what's making you laugh so much? And you know what they did? They held up a bottle of booze. And in that moment, and it's very vivid, to this day, that moment is very vivid because it really altered my life that moment. I can even tell you the song they were singing. They were singing Paul McCartney's Band on the Run. That's how vivid it is to, to this day in my memory. Because it was so life-changing. Because as they walked away, this is what I said to myself. These three words. I want that. And what I meant by that was the laughter. I was so drawn to that laughter. Now, I wasn't looking for the booze, but you know what? If drinking got me there... I was up for it. And sure enough, very soon after that, I started drinking. In fact, I got suspended from school that year at 13 years old because I was drunk. And even after I was suspended, and even after many beatings by my parents, I would still look to get drunk whenever I could. You see, folks, over the years, I've come to realize, for some of us at least, when we can't get what we need, we will very often try to numb what we have. We can't get what we need. We numb what we have. We might use alcohol. We might use prescription drugs. We might use pornography. We might go to gambling. We might spend money on things we don't need, you know, with money we don't really have. All to take the edge off of feeling crushed in our spirits, of feeling brokenhearted and afflicted. Does anyone know what I'm talking about this morning? In, in, in our culture today, there are some really concerning issues out there that, that seem to indicate that many of us are experiencing broken hearts and crushed spirits. According to the CDC, among young adults, the rates of mental illness and major depressive episodes are at its highest levels that have ever been recorded. In 2020, we, we saw the number of calls to the, to the National Mental Health Crisis Lines increased by 891% than the year before. As of 2019, 45,500 Americans died by suicide. That's one death about every 11 minutes, about six every hour. And the heartbreaking news is that a whopping 1.4 million Americans actually attempted suicide. And, and 12 million other adults seriously thought about it. As I said, broken hearts and crushed spirits permeate our cultural landscape. <clears throat> 
But before I move on from this serious issue, I, I, I don't want to talk about suicide and just leave it hanging right there. I want, I want to give a phone number here. You know, please utilize it. It's 1-800-273-TALK or 1-800-273-8255. Please utilize that phone number. You don't have to wait till you're in extreme emotional pain and then call. Even if you're just kind of headed in that direction, call. And if you know someone who is kind of headed in that direction, give them this number and tell them to call it. Now, in addition to this issue of suicide, the mental health research has found this, that this troubling trend of suicide is fueled a great deal by the issue of loneliness and isolation. Even before COVID, the Cigna Insurance Company reported that three in five Americans, that's 60% of Americans, or some 200 million Americans, felt very lonely. Before COVID, 200 million Americans. And if you just isolate the age group of 18 to 22, that number goes up to 79% of people who feel lonely. In fact, men and men, you need to hear this. Men today are five times more likely to say they do not have a single close friend than when, as, uh, as compared to 30 years ago. Why is that a big deal? Why do I bring this up in light of Psalm 34, verse 18? Because loneliness is crushing our souls. Social neuroscientist John Cassiopo had, has studied the physiological, psychological, and sociological impact of loneliness and isolation, and check what he found. The level of toxicity from loneliness is stunning. Odds of an early death are increased by air pollution by 5%. Obesity increases the odds by 20%. Excessive drinking, 30%. And loneliness increases their, your odds for an early death by 45%. Ever wonder why God gives us so many directives to move us towards community in the scriptures? He's not just being arbitrary in those commands. He knows the human condition. He created the human condition. And he knows what can, what can help us socially and emotionally and relationally and psychologically to thrive and, and, and reach the higher levels of our humanity. And he also knows what can shatter the human condition into a million pieces. That's why he moves us into these communal commands. Folks, look, to be human is to suffer. That's normal, unfortunately, but that's normal. But we were never meant to suffer alone. Nearly 3,000 years before the scientists of today ever discovered the damaging effects of loneliness, the people of God wrote this in Ecclesiastes 4. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, a friend can help them up. But pity the person who falls and has no one to help them. Also, if two lie down together, they will be kept warm. How can one be kept warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. See, what wisdom for life are these passages trying to make painfully clear to us? The pitiable, the pitiable person is not the person who experiences intense hardship or distress or even falls. Falling is normal, but it's the person who falls alone. That is the person to be pitied. You see, folks, the reason I'm bringing this up um, is because of the vital importance of being in community. You know, it says God is close to the broken, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. But how does he, how does he often do that? Well, as, as, as Catholic writer Henry Nouwen has put it, community makes God visible. 
Community makes God visible. You see, I, I, I think God is made manifest not just directly through his spirit, though that's very common, but he is made manifest indirectly as we manifest his wisdom, his love, his power to each other. As Christian writer Philip Yancey put it, true healing of deep connective tissue, those deep issues in our lives, takes place in community. Where is God when it hurts, he asks? Where God's people are. You know, it's interesting, but over the years I've noticed that as we move towards community and as we become more real with each other, more open and honest about our broken hearts, our crushed souls, it breaks us open. It breaks us open to deeper relationships with people that can lead to healing. See, I could be wrong, but I really feel that wounds spoken shorten the distance between two souls. You know, how many of us are in small groups and it's so superficial for weeks, maybe months at a time? But one day, somebody starts to share their wounds. Somebody starts to share their brokenness. And what happens to the distance between people? Goes like this. The superficiality goes down, and real life starts to emerge in that group, doesn't it? Perhaps because when somebody is honest with their wounds, it gives us permission and courage to look at our own wounds and to own them instead of repress them or deny them or, like I said before, numb them. So I ask you, Do you meet with others who make God visible to you? What are you missing if you don't? Just in the past two weeks, I've met with two different small groups. One is all men, where we talk about guy issues. The other one is this other group made of mixed genders, ethnicities, and races to talk about racism and the Christian faith. And in both of these meetings, in just recent weeks, in both of these meetings, people took big, big risks in being open, honest, and real. And as a result, some of us really disclose pain and hurt that few other people in their life ever knew about. And as we, the rest of the group, met this disclosure with God's love, God's compassion, God's care, and, 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 and as we met with them, a couple of things happened in the dynamics of the group, but especially in my own heart. I was able to step closer to these people relationally who I really don't even know very well in that racial group. But man, the closeness happened so much more because people were open and honest about the pain they've heard, had. And also, what it also did is gave me a deep sense of a God-forged joy that arose in me because we were being real and I understood the, the, the pain and hurt of others' lives. See, see, this is what can happen as we break open our pain, break open our wounds to other trusted people, not just to anybody, but to other trusted people. What happens is we find God's strength, we find God's joy, we find God's hope for our lives on our journey as a Christian that will always have pain and sorrow and brokenness along the way. We find these hopeful things even if we feel drained and we're worn down and full of guilt. Look, you'd be amazed. You will be amazed how many broken people can experience a great deal, a great deal of God's closeness through your attentiveness to their wounds and brokenness. You know what I'm saying? You have heard me repeat this quote many, many times from the pulpit. I'll say it again. The first condition of healing is to give voice to pain. And what do we do with that? Well, the first duty of love is to listen, is to draw out, is to hear more. Not to advise, not to fix, okay? But to listen. This is the way that our wounds and and, and our brokenness move towards wholeness and healing. 
When we gather and those two things are happening, broken souls are broken open, and now hope and healing has a chance to arise. And look, for whatever reason, burdens are going to be a part of our communal lives. Look, I wish that was different, but that is reality, okay? Burdens are going to be part of our communal lives. But something awesome, something holy, something divine-like can also happen when others walk with us to help carry those wounds. As one pastor said, many, we, excuse me, we may hurt in isolation, but we heal in community. We may hurt in isolation, but we heal in community. And if you want to find out how to connect with others and to move towards community, on our webpage, check out our webpage under Ministries. There's, as you can see, there's a number of different ways up there on the top of, the, uh, of, of that shot right there. Hit the Ministries buttons. It'll show you the different kind of groups we have that you guys can be a part of and move towards community. You know, Galatians 2 says to carry one another's burdens, right? To bear one another's burdens. Because in doing so, Paul says, we fulfill the law of Christ. Let us fulfill the law of Christ together, okay? By, 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 by sharing and carrying these wounds together. It, 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 I, rooted's coming up. Today's the last day. There's an excellent way to move towards community. All right, let me make one more observation I've seen over the years as a minister about people with broken hearts and crushed spirits. And I've, it's not really that I've seen in other lives. This is also what I've seen in my own life. You see, pain can make us hard or it can make us strong. You know, on the outside, hard and strong, they look alike. They look alike. But what's the difference between the two? Well, for me, the hard soul is one that's infused with anger or fear and, and emotional distance. You see, when we're hard, we, we tend to step back from each other. We step back physically. We step back relationally. We step back psychologically and emotionally from each other. When we're hard, we're much more likely to, to act out de being defensive and, and strike out if somebody comes close or touches our wound. You, you notice that a lot with people who, who struggle with shame, and if you just tease them a little bit, ooh, they strike out because they're protecting that wound. And this is why sometimes, too, hard people, another sign is that you feel like you've got to walk on eggshells around them. Why do they want you to walk on eggshells? Because they don't want you to come even close to the wound within so they make everybody tread lightly around them. I mean, how many bosses or, 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 or friends or family members we have like that? Here's another thing. Hardness also takes a very heavy toll on relationships. You know, many years ago, I, w I met with a couple that had a very contentious relationship. And both of their personal lives were, were filled with a history of woundedness. Uh, everything from physical abuse to drug abuse to alcohol abuse, all kinds of problems. And although they finally came to Christ in their 40s, what happened was that they maintained within them that harsh attitude, the harsh way of acting that helped them cope, quite frankly, that helped them survive in all those very difficult and painful years before they knew Jesus. But... It was those very coping mechanisms of harshness. It was their very hardened, what I call scorched earth approach to interpersonal conflict by speaking denigrating and, and, and disparaging words to one another that eventually cut at their relationship like a razor. And their marriage died the death of a thousand cuts. And it could have been saved. 
You see, folks, when we never allow our brokenness to be broken open, broken open to new God-forged attitudes, God-forged relational skill, God-forged character and wisdoms, when we don't allow ourselves to be broken open uh, for others to know and walk with this on a much deeper level, it just kind of creates then a wall around our hearts to, and, and, and we end up blocking out, blocking out the ways of grace, blocking out the ways of forgiveness, blocking out the ways of peacemaking and reconciliation, blocking out opportunities for love. And when we are hard-hearted, Especially this, guys, we tend to steel ourselves against the world because we see the world as fundamentally unsafe and a threat to our wounds. Listen to one pastor who seems to get it right about this steely stance that we sometimes take. The trouble with steeling yourself against the harshness of reality is that the same steel that secures your life against being destroyed secures your life also against being opened up and transformed. Now, I want to make very clear here something, something very important, that transformation does not necessarily mean healed, but it does mean that we become different kinds of people. Again, David Brooks is worth quoting here when he said this, all wise and great people go through a crucible of pain, disappointment, and perhaps even tragedy. Very often such people don't come out healed, but they come out different. Each phase of this experience of the crucible has left a residue on such a person's soul that the experience reshaped their inner core, that is their heart, their spirit that we're talking about. That experience reshaped the inner core and gave it coherence, solidity, and weight. I love that description. It's such a great description of a strong person in Christ. Not necessarily healed, but different, but weighty, but solid. A person who now has God-forged wisdom and a soulful substance in their life. Famed writer Ernest Hemingway put it this way, the world breaks everyone. And afterwards, some become strong in the broken places. You know, as a Christian, I find that to be true only if. Only if we turn towards our brokenness and actually contend with it, with God and with other godly immature people. Bottom line, as we open up, as we open up our pain to God instead of numbing it or denying it or, or avoiding it, and when we open up through our uh, open up and, uh, and our wounds with other trusted others like a therapist or a pastor or your small group or a soul friend or a rooted group or Stephen minister or what other support groups we have, we can indeed end up strong in the broken places. And one of the great outcomes is, is that, that when you end up strong in the broken places, you become God's instrument. Oh man, you become God's instrument in the lives of other hurting people. Again, I'm going to give an extended quote from Henry now, and it's so good because he calls it being a wounded healer. He says this, Nobody escapes being wounded. We are all wounded people whether physically, emotionally, mentally, or spiritually. The main question is not how can we hide our wounds so we don't have to be embarrassed, but how can we put our woundedness in the service of others? When our wounds cease to be a source of shame and become a source of healing, we have become wounded healers. Jesus is God's wounded healer. Through his wounds, we are healed, as it says in Isaiah 52. 
Jesus' suffering and death brought us joy and life. His humiliation brought glory. His rejection brought a community of love. As followers of Jesus, we can also allow our wounds to bring healing to others. And you know, I think souls stay crushed a lot longer than they have to because one, they have no one to walk with on that journey with their wounds. And they fail to see how those wounds can be used for God's glory in the healing of others. Now look, let me be totally honest. Over the years, I have noticed that as I have allowed myself to be broken open and faced and worked through my pain with God and trusted other people, I'm going to tell you straight up, I'm still not completely healed. Sometimes I feel like I'm far away from being completely healed of all the brokenness and pain in my life. But, but, all that unhealed brokenness, I think, has made me a better listener to the pain of others. That lack of full healing has also helped me to have more compassion on others who are hurting, who feel trapped in life, who feel ignored by God. And those unhealed wounds have made me a safer person with whom other people can share their wounds. You know, perhaps we can consider our own pain and woundedness this week in our, in our prayer times and reflect on these three questions. Here they are. One, has my woundedness made me hard or has it made me strong? Have I faced it? Has my woundedness, have the pain in my life, have I allowed it to break me open to other people and to God? And have I allowed the woundedness of my life to become an instrument of healing to others that God puts on my path? Finally this, so let me end by sharing what I've witnessed over the years uh, as I've known people who knew of God's closeness in their broken state. And it's going to seem a little odd to tell these stories because all three of them revolve around the issue of people dying. But hang in there with me, okay? One of the great privileges I have as a, as a minister is I get to walk with people as they near death. And this past year I spoke with a man who had been given only a couple of months to live. Yet, as we spoke... He expressed so much thankfulness to God for his life, so much for the blessings that he's received. He expressed so much thankfulness for his family, for this church. It was really an amazing thing as I sat there and listened to him. And I bring this because when I hear and see that in someone that's about to die, it's that's when I know it is indeed true that God is close to the broken and he saves those crushed in spirit. Or how a number of years ago I met with a much younger man, around 40 years old, who was dying uh, uh, painfully of cancer. And he would shout in pain, I love you, Jesus. I am ready, Lord. I am ready. When I see and hear that, I know it's true that God is close to the broken and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. And when I went with a man last year in our church and I held his, his tiny, frail hand in mine in the very last hours of his life, he expressed to me nothing but love for God and love for his family and praise from his heart. And when I held him and heard that, I knew that God is close to the broken and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. I share, out, share all that to show you that the words of verse 18 are not some sort of saccharine Pollyanna positivism or some kind of religious idealism. They are the deepest realities of life with God. 
And these wonderful people made the word of God become flesh to me because they didn't just believe the words of 18, verse 18, they lived it. And by living it and expressing it, they strengthened my faith. Brothers and sisters, the world breaks everyone. But we can become strong in the broken places through Jesus Christ. Amen? The question is, do you personally know, do you personally know the closeness and the strength of God as your heart is being crushed and broken? What is God saying to you today, right here, right now, about these things? Um, We're not ending with a big clash or a bang here. Sometimes it's just in the quiet moments where we hear the Holy Spirit the loudest. What is God saying to you? Now, I'm going to pray for us as a congregation, but after that, I'm also going to pray for those of you, especially for those of you at home, if you want to give your life to Jesus Christ. If you're, if you're, if you're finally at that place where you're just tired, you know, you're, you're tired of denying your wound, of avoiding your pain, of numbing your affliction. If you're tired of that, it is time now to get right with God. And maybe some of you have kind of fallen off the, the, the godly trail and you need to recommit your lives. I'm going to pray for you too. You can follow me in a simple prayer. But let's all just close our eyes as we pray for the congregation first. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your promises that you do make things brighter. Lord, many of us have come with pain in the offering today. Like it says in Psalm 51, my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit. Maybe that's all we came today to give in our offering, Lord, is a broken spirit. But your word also says that a broken and contrite, crushed heart, you will not despise. So I pray even now in these very moments, your Holy Spirit is filling us. And into those broken places, you are breathing life. And I pray, Lord, for my brothers and sisters who are struggling, that you would help them to find community, a community that helps make you visible to them. And I pray that you free all of us, Lord, to take off our masks with each other. We're all broken, as we've talked about. Let us begin to talk about it openly with each other. And for those of you who want to give your lives to Jesus Christ or recommit yourself to the Lord, just pray these simple words after me. Lord Jesus, I need you. Forgive me for choosing everything but you to save and heal me. Thank you for dying for me. And as best as I know how, I give my life to you. And it is in your wonderful, beautiful, compassionate, and strong name we pray these things. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, for those of you who gave your life for the first time and you're online, can you do me a favor and hit that that, uh, raised hand button there in the chat area? Um, And also, if you can, click on the prayer buttons because then you can be taken into a private chat forum and and, and another person can pray with you to affirm your newfound faith or recommitment to life. We want to celebrate you. We want to pray over you. We want to provide information that's going to help you in your walk with Christ. 
So if you're able, please hit that button. And if you're here at the church and you prayed that prayer with me, please let me know before you take off or pray with our prayer team members who will be meeting in that in the back patio, uh, the black, back lanai over there after service, okay? So please let us know. Speak what God has done in your life. Let us all stand now to receive the benediction, to receive this blessing. May the God who loves, who enjoys being close to the broken, who delights and saving crushed spirits. May he go with you, may he fill you, and may he use you to be a fountain of healing and hope to the world that is so broken around you. To him be all the glory for from him, through him, and to him are all things. Praise be to the Lord Jesus Christ, and in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Mahalo for joining us, and we hope that you certainly can join us again next week. Thank you for worshiping with us. We hope to see you again next week. Aloha. There are times throughout life when we feel knocked down, beaten, crushed. Our hope is you'll use those times of brokenness to open up to Jesus, His healing, and a warm, nurturing community. If you want to catch up on or re-listen to previous services, you can find past sermons on our websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. You can also find First Prez sermons on most major podcast services and now on YouTube. In-person worship continues, but in limited capacity. There are two live services at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. every Sunday morning. If you'd like to participate, we ask that you sign up through the websites on a weekly basis, and both services will be streamed live on the church websites. Once again, those sites fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org Continue to check your email for links to sermons, church news and updates, registration for in-person worship, and lots more. And as always, if there's anything we can do for you, you can always reach the church through the websites or call 808-532-1111 For Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Prayers, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2021 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.